part two of repentance and the atonement. And we'll start tonight in Alma chapter 41. And in verse one, and now my son, I have somewhat to say concerning the restoration of which has been spoken. For behold, some have rested the scriptures or changed the scriptures and have gone far astray because of this thing. And I perceive that thy mind has been worried also concerning this thing. But behold, I will explain it unto thee. I see unto thee, my son, that the plan of restoration is requisite with the justice of God, for it is requisite that all things should be restored to their proper order. Behold, it is requisite and just, according to the power and resurrection of Christ, that the soul of man should be restored to its body, and that every part of the body should be restored to itself. And it is requisite that the justice of God, that men should be judged according to their works. And if their works were good in this life, and the desires of their hearts were good, that they should also at the last day be restored unto that which is good. And if their works are evil, they shall be restored unto them for evil. Therefore all things shall be restored to their proper order, everything to its natural frame. Mortality raised to immortality, corruption to incorruption, raised to endless happiness to inherit the kingdom of God, or to endless misery to inherit the kingdom of the devil. The one on the one hand, the other on the other. The one raised to happiness according to the desires of happiness, or good according to his desires of good, and the other to evil according to his desires of evil. For as he has desired to do evil all the day long, even so shall he have his reward of evil when the night cometh. And so it is on the one hand. And so it is on the other hand. If he hath repented of his sins and desired righteousness until the end of his days, even so he shall be rewarded unto righteousness. These are they that are redeemed of the Lord. Yea, these are they that are taken out that are delivered from their endless night of darkness. And thus they stand or fall. For behold, they are their own judges, whether to do good or to do evil. Now the decrees of God are unalterable. Therefore the way is prepared that whosoever will may walk therein and be saved. And now behold, my son, do not risk one more offense against your God upon those points of doctrine which ye have hitherto risked to commit sin. Do not suppose that because it has been so con spoken concerning restoration, that ye shall be restored from sin to happiness. Behold, I say unto you, wickedness never was happiness. And now, my son, all men that are in a state of nature, or I would say in a carnal state, or in the gall of bitterness, and in the bonds of iniquity, they are without God in the world. They have gone contrary to the nature of God, therefore they are in a state contrary to the nature of happiness. And now behold, is the meaning of the word restoration to take a thing of a natural state and place it in an unnatural state, or to place it in a state opposite to its nature? O oh, my son, this is not the case. But the meaning of the word restoration is to bring back again evil for evil, or carnal for carnal, or devilish for devilish. Good for that which is good, righteous for that which is righteous, 
just for that which is just, merciful for that which is merciful. Therefore, my son, see that you are merciful unto your brethren. Deal justly, judge righteously, and do good continually. And if ye do all these things, then shall ye receive your reward. Yea, ye shall have mercy restored unto you again. Ye shall have justice restored unto you again. Ye shall have a righteous judgment restored unto you again. And ye shall have good reward unto you again. And that which ye do send out shall return unto you again and be restored. Therefore, the word restoration more fully condemneth the sinner and justifieth him not at all. Chapter 42, verse 1. And now, my son, I perceive there is somewhat more which doth worry your mind, which ye cannot understand, which is concerning the justice of God in the punishment of the sinner. For ye do try to suppose that it is injustice that the sinner should be consigned to a state of misery. Now behold, my son, I will explain this thing unto thee. For behold, after the Lord God sent our first parents forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence they have were taken, yea, he drew out the man and placed at the east end of the garden cherubim and a flaming sword, which is turned every way to keep the tree of life. Now we see that the man had become as God, knowing good and evil, and lest he should put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, the Lord God placed cherubim and a flaming sword that he should not partake of the fruit. And thus we see that there was a time granted unto man to repent, yea, a probationary time, a time to repent and serve God. For behold, if Adam had put forth his hand immediately and partaken of the tree of life, he would have lived forever according to the word of God, having no space for repentance. Yea, and also the word of God would have been void, and the great plan of salvation would have been frustrated. But behold, it was appointed unto man to die. Therefore, as they were cut off from the tree of life, they should be cut off from the face of the earth. And man became lost forever. Yea, they became fallen man. And now ye see by this that our first parents were cut off both temporally and spiritually from the presence of the Lord. And thus we see they became subjects to follow after their own will. Now behold, it was not expedient that man should be reclaimed from this temporal death, for that would destroy the great plan of happiness. Therefore, as the soul could never die, and the fall had brought upon all mankind a spiritual death, as well as a temporal, that is, they were cut off from the presence of the Lord. It was expedient that mankind should be reclaimed from this spiritual death. Therefore, as they had become carnal, sensual, devilish, by nature, this probationary state became a state for them to prepare to become a preparatory state. It became a preparatory state. Now remember, my son, if it were not for the plan of redemption, laying it aside, as soon as they were dead, their souls were miserable being cut off from the presence of the Lord. And now there was no means to reclaim men from this fallen state which man had brought upon himself because of his own disobedience. Therefore, according to justice, the plan of redemption could not be brought about only on conditions of repentance of men in this probationary state. 
Yea, this probationary state, for except it were for these conditions, mercy could not take effect except it should destroy the work of justice. Now the work of justice could not be destroyed if so, God would cease to be God. Now, we often speak of the doctrine of Christ as offering up a broken heart, contrite spirit, baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and continuing to feast upon the Christ, words of Christ, and entering into the rest of the Lord. But part of offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit is repentance. And there are, there are movements abroad, including you know, academics in the church that claim that the doctrine of the Book of Mormon and the Restoration really doesn't have to do with you know, Christ overcoming sin through repentance, but that what the uh, atonement does is it heals. And while the atonement of Jesus Christ certainly does heal, um, repentance and overcoming sin is one of the cornerstones of the reason for the atonement. And it is such a common theme in the Book of Mormon that perhaps we're not engaging in repentance enough. Verse 13 again. Therefore, according to justice, the plan of redemption could not be brought about only on conditions of repentance of men in this probationary state, yea, this preparatory state, for except it were for these conditions, mercy could not take effect except it should destroy the work of justice. Now the work of justice could not be destroyed if so God would cease to be God. And so, without repentance, the mercy of Jesus Christ cannot be extended to an individual to redeem them from their sins. Um, Because as it is said, Christ did not come to redeem us in our sins, but from our sins. And the way that he redeems us from our sins is through our act of repentance, made possible through his atonement. And thus we see that all mankind were fallen. Yea, they were in the grasp of justice. Yea, the justice of God, which consigned them forever to be cut off from his presence. And now the plan of mercy could not be brought about except an atonement should be made. Therefore God himself atoneth for the pains for the sins of the world to bring about the plan of mercy to appease the demands of justice, that God might be a perfect, just God and a merciful God also. Now repentance could not come unto men except there were a punishment, which also was eternal, as the life of the soul should be, a fixed opposite to the plan of happiness, which was as eternal as the life of the soul. Now how could a man repent except he should sin? How could he sin if there was no law? How could there be a law save there was a punishment? Now there was a punishment affixed and a just law given, which brought remorse of conscience unto man. 
And if there was no law given, if a man murdered, he should die. Would he be afraid he would die if he should murder? And also, if there was no law given against sin, men would not be afraid to sin. And if there was no law given, if men sinned, what could justice do? Or mercy either, for they would have no claim upon the creature. But there is a law given, and a punishment affixed, and repentance granted, which repentance mercy claimeth. Otherwise justice claimeth the creature, and executeth the law, and the law inflicteth the punishment. If not so, the works of justice would be destroyed, and God would cease to be God. But God ceaseth not to be God, and mercy claimeth the penitent, and mercy cometh because of the atonement. And the atonement bringeth to pass the resurrection of the dead. And the resurrection of the dead bringeth back men into the presence of God. And thus they are restored into his presence, to be judged according to their works, according to the law and justice. For behold, justice exerciseth all his demands, and also mercy claimeth all which is her own. And thus none but the truly penitent are saved. What do ye suppose, that mercy can rob justice? I say unto you, nay, not one whit. If so, God would cease to be God. And thus God bringeth about his great and eternal purposes, which were prepared from the foundation of the world. And thus cometh about the salvation and the redemption of men, and also their destruction and misery. Therefore, O my son, whosoever will come, may come and partake of the waters of life freely. And whosoever will not come, the same is not compelled to come. But in the last day, it shall be restored unto him according to his deeds. If he has designed to do evil and has not repented in his days, behold, evil shall be done unto him according to the restoration of God. And now, my son, I desire that ye should let these things trouble you no more, and only let your sins trouble you. With that trouble, which shall bring you down unto repentance. O my son, I desire that you should deny the justice of God no more. Do not endeavor to excuse yourself in the least point because of your sins, by denying the justice of God, which is the doctrine of Nahor. But do let the justice of God and his mercy and his long suffering have full sway in your heart and let it bring you down to the dust in humility. Now, let's cross-reference. Mosiah, chapter 4 and chapter 5. Now, this is King Benjamin's address. And the words were given to him by an angel, which words were calculated to bring his people unto a broken heart and contrite spirit, to a state where they fully would repent of their sins and access the power of the atonement, which would yet be made unto the becoming of Christ's sons and daughters through the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in Chapter 4, verse 1. And behold, they had fallen to the earth, for the fear of the Lord had come upon them, and they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, 
even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried out with one voice saying, oh, have mercy and apply the atoning blood of Christ that we may receive forgiveness of our sins, that our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things who shall come down among the children of men. And as a cross-reference in 3 Nephi chapter 11. When Christ came and visited the Nephites, the Lord spake unto them, saying, 3 Nephi 11, now verse 14, Arise and come forth unto me, that ye may thrust your hands into my side, and also that ye may feel the prints of the nails in my hands and in my feet, that ye may know that I am the God of Israel and the God of the whole earth, and have been slain for the sins of the world, and it came to pass that the multitude went forth and thrust their hands into his side, and did feel the prints of the nails in his hands and in his feet. And this they did do going forth one by one until they had all gone forth, and did see with their eyes and did feel with their hands, and did know of a surety and did bear record that it was he of whom it was written by the prophets that should come. And when they had all gone forth and had witnessed for themselves, they did cry out with one accord saying, Hosanna! which means, oh God, you know, save me or us now. Blessed be the name of the Most High God. And they did fall down at the feet of Jesus and did worship him. There is something about coming to a greater understanding of the price that Jesus Christ paid for us that fills us with an overwhelming desire to be saved. And the, the feelings that coming into Christ's presence and feeling the prints of the nails and seeing with their eyes and feeling with their hands brought upon the Nephites, although this was preparatory to their baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, the words of King Benjamin to his people delivered to him by an angel brought about a similar condition upon the people of King Benjamin. It filled them with an overwhelming desire and knowledge of how desperately they needed a Savior. Again, verse 2, And they viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried out with one voice, saying, Oh, have mercy! And apply the atoning blood of Christ that we may receive forgiveness of our sins. And our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth. And all things who shall come down among the children of men. Or in other words, Hosanna. And verse 3. And it came to pass that after they had spoken these words, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. And they were filled with joy, having received a remission of their sins and having peace of conscience because of the exceeding faith which they had in Jesus Christ who should come, according to the words which King Benjamin had spoken unto them. And it was Alma's desire that his words might bring his son unto that state where he also realized the desperate need that he had to be saved, that he might also cry out Hosanna, and that he might receive a remission of his sins 
to the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in verse 5, or in chapter 5 of Mosiah, verse 2, And they all cried with one voice, saying, Yea, we believe all the words which thou hast spoken unto us, and we also know of their surety and truth, because of the Spirit of the Lord omnipotent, which has wrought a mighty change in us or in our hearts, that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. Now, while we may have many born-again experiences throughout our life, and usually a born-again experience comes or is accompanied by a baptism of fire, and we may receive many baptisms of fire throughout our life, and a baptism of fire always accompanies the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But a baptism of fire is not synonymous with the term baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. The born-again experience that occurs with the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, will be the greatest born-again experience that one has experienced up to that point. And it will be the greatest born-again experience that one experiences up until the time that one is led by the Spirit and instructed about how to part the veil and enter into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory, or to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. And verse 3, And we ourselves also, through the infinite goodness of God and the manifestations of his Spirit, have great views of that which is to come. And were it expedient, we could prophesy of all things, or in other words, they could speak with the tongue of angels, or by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Now, back in Alma 42, verse 30 again. O my son, I desire that ye should deny the justice of God no more. Do not endeavor to excuse yourself in the least point because of your sins by denying the justice of God, but do let the justice of God and his mercy and his long-suffering have full sway in your heart. And let it bring you down to the dust in humility. Or in other words, let appropriate guilt for what you have done, combined with an overwhelming sense of how desperately you need a Savior to bring you to a broken heart and contrite spirit that you might receive a remission of your sins through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 31. And now, O my son, ye are called of God to preach the word unto this people. And now, my son, go thy way, declare the word with truth and soberness, that thou mayest bring souls unto repentance, and the great plan of mercy may have claim upon them. And may God grant unto you, even according to my words, amen. Now, there is another important lesson taught here. And that is that we do not throw people away because they have made or committed sin, even serious sin. Um, for the arm of mercy is extended to them. And usually it is a matter of a person coming to a correct understanding 
of the atonement and the price that Christ paid for us and our desperation for a Savior. And as it says in Alma chapter 7, verse 11, And he shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this that the word might be fulfilled, which saith he will take upon him the pains and sicknesses of his people. And he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people. And he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. Now the Spirit knoweth all things. Nevertheless, the Son of God suffereth, that according to the flesh he might take upon him the sins of his people, that he might blot out their transgressions according to the power of his deliverance. And now behold, this is the testimony which is in me. And now I say unto you that ye must repent and be born again. For the Spirit saith, if ye are not born again, ye cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And this is exactly what Alma wanted for his son Grantmer. Therefore come and be baptized unto repentance, that ye may be washed from your sins, and that ye may have faith on the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world, who is mighty to save and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. Yea, I say unto you, come and fear not, and lay aside every sin which easily, easily doth beset you, which doth bind you down to destruction, yea, and cometh Come and go forth and show unto God that ye are willing to repent of your sins and enter into a covenant with him to keep his commandments and witness it unto him this day by going into the waters of baptism. And whosoever doeth this and keepeth the commandments of God from thenceforth, the same will remember that I say unto him, yea, he will remember that I have said unto him, he shall have eternal life according to the testimony of the Holy Spirit, which testifieth in me. Now, godly sorrow brings us to repentance. And also, faith brings us unto repentance. So how does faith bring us unto repentance? As we have discussed, faith is seeking after receiving and acting on revelation. And as we come unto God, as we seek after what he would have us do to come unto a broken heart and contrite spirit, the spirit will reveal to us those things in our life which are separating us from him and are eclipsing our ability to have a greater portion of his spirit and to become at one with Jesus Christ and at one with Father. And this Spirit will reveal those areas of our life that are out of order, and those things that we've done in our past that we need to do the best that we can to make recompense for them. And as we examine our life, as we examine what we have done, and as we do it with the Spirit, as the Spirit brings to our mind those things that we have not taken care of, 
those things that we have not yet repented of. And as we act on the direction of the Spirit to make those corrections, then the atoning blood of Jesus Christ can be poured out upon our hearts. And we receive forgiveness of our sins. Because no unclean thing can come into God's presence in his glory and remain alive. And when we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is a resurrection of sorts. It is a judgment day. In essence, Christ has pled our case before Father and has presented the case to Father of why we have fully repented of our sins of why we have fully offered up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And as he lays our case out as our advocate with Father, and as the Father, as judge, agrees that we have truly offered up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, as he agrees that we have repented of our sins, um, which at this level can only come through exercising faith sufficient to receive revelation about those things we need to clear up, those things that we need to change in our life. And as we act upon that revelation, um, we then qualify for the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is a judgment, which is raising us up to a minimum level, which is a new level of being cleansed from all sin. And there are many different levels of being cleansed from all sin. The first level would be, you know, asking Father for forgiveness for things that we have done, having done everything in our power to make those wrongs which we have committed right. Um, another level of forgiveness would be as we're doing those things to receive baptism by water into the preparatory gospel by the authority of the Aaronic priesthood. Another level of receiving a remission of one's sins would be receiving a baptism of fire. Um, Another level of receiving remission of sins would be doing our best to offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit and receiving baptism by water into the terrestrial or the gospel by the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood. And then, you know, finally, through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, where we are, you know, cleansed and sanctified, and made free. And each level of the path of ascension up to the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and beyond brings us to a new level of forgiveness and sanctification um, so that you know we might continue on that path of doing what is required of us to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Now, in Mosiah 23, verses 9 through 10, 
And it came to pass that the king hearkened unto the words of Gideon. And King Limhi caused that his people should gather their flocks together. And he sent the tribute of wine to the Lamanites. And he also sent more wine as a present unto them. And that was not chapter 23. That was chapter 22. In chapter 23, verses 9 and 10. But remember the iniquity of King Noah and his priests. And I myself was caught in a snare and did many things which were abominable in the sight of the Lord. This is Alma recounting his past life as a wicked priest in the court of King Noah, which caused me sore repentance. Now, too often, you know, I hear the sentiment that there is no need for us to suffer. And there's no need for us to worry too much about what we have done because Christ has paid the price. And while it is true that Christ has paid the price, um, there is sore remorse that is required on our part. Uh, We come into trouble when we won't forgive ourselves when Christ has forgiven us. And this is a transition from from guilt to shame. Shame is something that separates us from God and actually keeps us from repenting. And shame is a, a doctrine of the devil and is not godly remorse. Godly remorse brings us to a state where we can cry out to God and exercise faith in him that we might have the atoning blood of Jesus Christ poured out upon us, that we truly might be forgiven and be sanctified. And verse 10, nevertheless, after much tribulation, again, he had to wrestle just like Enos much in the spirit before he gained remission of his sins. The Lord did hear my cries and did answer my prayers and has made me an instrument in his hands to bring so many to a knowledge of his truth. So again, we have this theme that just because we sin does not mean that we are cast off forever. And a major theme in the Book of Mormon is that even a vile sinner can take advantage of the atonement he can have that mighty change of heart. He can be born again and can become a servant of God, even at the very highest level. Now in DNC 19, and again, these words are designed so that we can come to that better understanding of how desperately we need a Savior that we might be able in the energy of our soul to cry out Hosanna like King Benjamin's people, like Alma the Younger did, like Alma the Elder did. Verses 15 through 20. Therefore, I command you to repent. Repent lest I smite you by the rod of my mouth and by my wrath and by my anger and your sufferings be sore. How sore you know not, how exquisite, you know not. 
Yea, how hard to bear you know not. Because what is being talked about here? If we do not take advantage of the atonement of Jesus Christ to receive forgiveness of our sins, we must suffer in full measure and pay the penalty for them. And Christ is saying to us, if you knew how exquisite that suffering is, you would not put off your repentance and you would not repent in half measure. Verse 16, for behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all that they might not suffer if they would repent. But if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. Nevertheless, glory be to the Father, and I partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. Wherefore, I command you again to repent lest I humble you with my almighty power and that you confess your sins. Now, there are several places in Scripture that the conditions of repentance are put forth. And in more than one place, and this is a significant place because Christ himself is speaking, He mentions as a condition of repentance, confessing our sins. Lest you suffer these punishments of which I have spoken, of which in the smallest, yea, even in the least degree, you have tasted at the time I withdrew my spirit. Now, one of the requirements that Alma gave his son um, for his sin um, was that he go before the people and confess his sins before them, before he would be able to gain full repentance. Now in Alma, chapter 34, verses 8 through 18. And now behold, I will testify unto you of myself that these things are true. Behold, I say unto you that I do know that Christ shall come among the children of men, to take upon him the transgressions of his people, and that he shall atone for their sins of the world. For the Lord God has spoken it, for it is expedient that an atonement should be made. For according to the great plan of the eternal God, there must be an atonement made, or else all mankind must unavoidably perish. Yea, all are hardened, yea, all are fallen, and all are lost and must perish except it be through the atonement which it is expedient should be made. For it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice, and not a sacrifice of man, neither of beast, neither of any manner of fowl. For it shall not be a human sacrifice, but it it must need be an infinite and eternal sacrifice. And this is an important point. Um. An infinite and eternal sacrifice cannot be added upon. Now, there is not any man that can sacrifice his own blood, which will atone for the sins of another. Now, if a man murdereth, behold, 
will our law, which is just, take the life of his brother? I say unto you, nay. But the law requireth the life of him who hath been murdered. Therefore, there can be nothing which is short of an infinite atonement, which will suffice for the sins of the world. Therefore, it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice. And then shall there be, or it is expedient, there should be a stop to the shedding of blood. Then shall the law of Moses be fulfilled. Yea, it shall all be fulfilled, every jot and tittle, and none shall have passed away. And behold, this is the whole meaning of the law, every whit, pointing to that great and last sacrifice. And that great and last sacrifice will be the Son of God, a infinite and eternal. Now, just a notation in verse 13, when it says, A stop to the shedding of blood, then shall the law of Moses be fulfilled. Some mistake that this is implying that um, the ancient practice of animal sacrifice was part of the law of Moses, but you know that is not what this is saying. You know, it's talking about two separate components that um, animal sacrifice and the law of Moses would be fulfilled in the atonement of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, and behold, this is the whole meaning of the law, every whit pointing to the great and last sacrifice. And the great and last sacrifice will be the son of God, yea, infinite and eternal. And thus he shall bring salvation to all those who shall believe on his name. This being the intent of this last sacrifice, to bring about the bowels of mercy, which overpowereth justice, and bringeth about means unto men that they may have faith unto repentance. Again, we have this concept of faith unto repentance. And this idea is contained in the new sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, because we must receive the terms of that covenant by revelation. At a bare minimum, a broken heart and contrite spirit means putting everything upon the altar. And then the specifics of that sacrifice come by revelation. And this process of coming into a broken heart and contrite spirit by revelation is having faith unto repentance. And thus mercy can satisfy the demands of justice and encircles them in the arms of safety, while he that exercises no faith unto repentance is exposed to the whole law of the demands of justice. Therefore, only unto him that has faith unto repentance is brought about the great and eternal plan of redemption. Therefore, may God grant unto you, my brethren, that ye may begin to exercise your faith unto repentance, that ye begin to call upon his holy name, that he would have mercy upon you. Yea, cry unto him for mercy and for, for he is mighty to save. And back in verse 16, that while he that exercises no faith unto repentance is exposed to the whole law, of the demands of justice, or in other words, he must suffer for his own sins, even as Christ suffered. Therefore, only unto him that has faith unto repentance is brought about the great and eternal plan of redemption. And this has reference to 
the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let's cross-reference again Alma 7, verse 14. Now I say unto you that ye must repent and be born again, for the Spirit saith, if ye are not born again, which is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, at this level, although there are lesser born-again experiences. But you must be born again at the level of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Ye cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And in Alma 34, again, verse 16, with that additional understanding of terms that are being used. And thus mercy can satisfy the demands of justice and encircles them in the arms of safety. While he that exercises no faith unto repentance is exposed to the whole law of the demands of justice, therefore only unto him that has faith unto repentance is brought about the great and eternal plan of redemption. Now, 3 Nephi 7, verses 15 and 16. And it came to pass that Nephi, having been visited by angels, and also the voice of the Lord, therefore having seen angels, and being eyewitness, and having had power given unto him, that he might know concerning the ministry of Christ, and also being eyewitness, to their quick return from righteousness unto their wickedness and abominations, therefore being grieved for the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, went forth among them in that same year and began to testify boldly repentance and remission of sins through faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of the evidences that a man or woman has exercised repentance had received forgiveness and sanctification. Although this being preparatory to the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that he would receive in 3 Nephi chapter 19, he went forth and boldly declared repentance and remission of sins through faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. And repentance and remission of sins through faith on the Lord Jesus Christ involves both belief and revelation. And then verses 23 through 26. Thus passed away the 30 and second year also. And Nephi did cry unto the people in the commencement of the 30 and third year. And he did preach unto them repentance and remission of sins. Now I would have you to remember also that there were none who were brought unto repentance who were not baptized with water. And I would submit that for a man or woman to fully repent, they must also be baptized with water. Now, in 3 Nephi 7, the only baptism by water that was available was by the Aaronic priesthood into the preparatory gospel. But when Christ would come in 3 Nephi chapter 11, verse 18, And it came to pass that while he spake unto Nephi, for Nephi was among the multitude, and he commanded him that he should come forth. And Nephi arose and went forth and bowed himself before the Lord and did kiss his feet. And the Lord commanded him that he should arise, and he arose and stood before him. And the Lord said unto him, I give unto you power that ye shall baptize this people when I am again ascended unto heaven. 
And verily I say unto you that whoso repenteth of his sins through your words and desireth to be baptized in my name. And I would submit that when baptism by proper authority is available, one has not fully repented until they have done what is required to be baptized by water. Um, whether that be into the telestial preparatory gospel or in the terrestrial um, church of Christ. And I would submit that when um, that transition occurs, that not only is baptism of water available by the Aaronic priesthood, but when baptism of water becomes available by the Melchizedek priesthood, that one cannot fully repent without receiving baptism by water, by the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood into the terrestrial order of the Christ, into the terrestrial order of the church or church of Christ. And, you know, I will, I will make note that verse 25 sets forth the baptismal prayer into the terrestrial order of the gospel. And we know that we had the fullness of the gospel, the terrestrial order of the gospel on the earth from 1829 to 1834. And this was the baptismal prayer in the book of commandments. This was the baptismal prayer that was used for baptism into the church of Christ. And it wasn't until um, 1835 that this baptismal prayer was changed um, to a baptismal prayer that is appropriate for baptism into the telestial order of the gospel. And there are variations of baptismal prayers that can be used for baptism into the telestial preparatory gospel. But baptism into the terrestrial order of the gospel, into the church of Christ, that baptismal prayer is fixed. Now, an example of a baptismal prayer into the telestial order of the gospel, um, in addition to what we currently use in the LDS church, is to be found in Alma chapter, or rather Mosiah chapter 18. Here, Alma has left the court of wicked King Noah. He's repented and returned unto the Lord, and has been given power in the Aaronic priesthood, and has then gone forth and has begun the gathering out of those who would accept the gospel among the people of King Noah, and have assembled at the waters of Mormon. And here's the baptismal uh, prayer that Alma used, again, into the telestial preparatory gospel. Verse 13, And when he had said these words, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And he said, Heal him. I baptize thee, having authority from the Almighty God, as a testimony that ye have entered into a covenant to serve him until you are dead to the mortal body. And may the Spirit of the Lord be poured out upon you. And may he grant unto you eternal life, the redemption of Christ, whom he has prepared from the foundation of the world. And after Alma had said these words, 
both Alma and Helam were buried in the water and they came forth out of the water, rejoicing, being filled with the spirit. You know, verses in third Nephi chapter 11, verse 25, having authority given me of Jesus Christ. And it was changed in the 1835 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants to having been commissioned of Jesus Christ, which may seem like a small and insignificant change, but it is significant because that change, just like the baptismal prayer given by Alma in Mosiah 18, is of the telestial order. But the terrestrial um, baptism by the Melchizedek priesthood, having authority given me of Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And continuing in Third Nephi 7, verse 26. And there were many in the commencement of this year that were baptized unto repentance, and thus the more part of the year did pass away. Now, in D&C 18, verses 6 and 7. Behold, the world is ripening in iniquity, and it must needs be that the children of men are stirred up unto repentance, both the Gentiles and the house of Israel. And, you know, as we have gone over previously, the parable of the redemption of Zion in DNC 101 is the key to unlocking the sealed book of doctrine and covenants. Because most of the prophecies relate to not Joseph Smith's first ministry, but to his second. His second ministry, which will be the generation in which Christ comes again in his glory, which generation we are now living in. And so these verses in section 18 are talking, although they had relevance to those during Joseph Smith's first ministry and up until now, specifically they regard to us in our day. Behold, the world is ripening in iniquity, and it must needs be that the children of men be stirred up unto repentance. And that stirring up into unto repentance is what is about to descend upon us. As we come into a level of bondage that will be so severe that the true saints of God will cry out night and day for deliverance. And were it not for the return of the end-time servant, the saints of God would not make it. Wherefore, as thou hast been baptized by the hands of my servant Joseph Smith, Jr., according to that which I have commanded him, he hath fulfilled the thing which I commanded him. So, you know, again, you know, this concept of the need for repentance, and for baptism into the terrestrial order of the gospel. And then in verses 10 through 17, Remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. For behold, the Lord your Redeemer suffered death in the flesh. Wherefore he suffered the pain of all men, that all men might repent and come unto him. And he hath risen again from the dead, that he might bring all men unto him on conditions of repentance. So we need to, to emphasize repentance more as part of what it means to come unto a broken heart and contrite spirit. Because while that is implicit in what a broken heart and contrite spirit means, 
and I am guilty of it. Uh, we, we do not emphasize enough the repentance component of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And how great is his joy in the soul that repenteth. Wherefore, you are called to cry repentance unto this people. And if it so be that you should labor all your days in crying repentance unto this people, and bring, save it be one soul unto me, how great shall be your joy with him in the kingdom of my Father. And now if your joy will be great with one soul that you have brought unto me into the kingdom of my Father, how great will be your joy if you should bring many souls unto me. Behold, you have my gospel before you, and my rock and my salvation. Alma 13, verses 10 through 13. And now, as I said, concerning the holy order, or this high priesthood, now, the high priesthood that's being talked about is the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood. And when a man receives that priesthood, he becomes a member of the holy order. And when he has that priesthood sealed upon him, he becomes a member of the church of Enoch and of the firstborn. And now, as I said, concerning the holy order or this high priesthood, there were many who were ordained and became high priests of God. And it was on account of their exceeding faith and repentance. Now, again, this is not the high priest that we have in the LDS church today. Um, this high priest, um, as an office in the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood, was restored to Joseph Smith on June 4th, 1831, at the Isaac Morley farm. And Alma says that the requirements to make it unto this priesthood are very similar to what is required to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, faith and repentance. And then after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, um, the requirements to enter into the rest of the Lord, faith and repentance, or in other words, coming unto a broken heart and contrite spirit, and then after the second comforter coming into the rest of the Lord, which rested the fullness of his glory, the requirements to ascend to the next level, you know, to the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood, again, it's faith and repentance or a broken heart and contrite spirit. The new and everlasting covenant is, is the simplest covenant in all the world for the oath that we are required to take to enter into that covenant is always the same. It's a broken heart and contrite spirit. And then as we receive that portion of the covenant, which is God's oath to us, we enter into it again. Our oath remains the same and his escalates. Verse 10 again. Now, as I say concerning the holy order or this high priesthood, there were many who were ordained and became high priests of God. And it was on account of their exceeding faith and repentance and their righteousness before God. They choosing to repent and work righteousness rather than perish. 
Therefore, they were called after this holy order and were sanctified. Both through baptism by water into the terrestrial order of the gospel, the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, entering into the rest of the Lord, and finally, having Father ordain them to the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood. Therefore, they were called after this holy order and were sanctified, and their garments were washed white through the blood of the Lamb. And now they, after being sanctified by the Holy Ghost, having their garments made white, being pure and spotless before God, could not look upon sin, save it were with abhorrence. And there were many, exceedingly great many, who were made pure and entered into the rest of the Lord their God both on this path to become high priests of the holy order and because of the ministering of high priests in the holy holy order, coming into the rest of the Lord is to enter into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory and receive their calling and election mature. And now, my be, now my brethren, I would that ye should humble yourselves before God and bring forth fruit meat for repentance that ye may also enter into that rest. Alma is exhorting the people to the doctrine of Christ, which is designed to bring them into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory or to bring them into the rest of God just as is outlined in DNC 84 with the children of Israel under Moses. In DNC 84, Moses sought to do the exact same thing. Verse 23, now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. So how did Moses diligently seek to sanctify his people? Through the preaching, and getting them to accept the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that they might receive that sanctification, whereby they might be instructed about how to enter into the rest of God, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Exactly what Alma is preaching here in Alma 13. And again, Alma 13, verse 13, and now my brethren, I would that ye should humble yourselves before God or offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit and bring forth fruit meat for repentance. Well, the only way to bring forth fruit meat for repentance is to seek after, receive, and act on that revelation, which allows us to more fully repent and be sanctified that ye may also enter into his rest. And verse 16. Now these ordinances were given after this manner, that thereby the people might look forward on the Son of God, it being a type of his order, or it being his order, and this that they might look forward to him for remission of their sins, that they might enter into the rest of the Lord. Again, the exhortation to receive the second comforter. And these ordinances being baptism by water into the terrestrial order of the gospel, which is part 
of repentance. Baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is a priesthood ordinance. Uh, Cross-referencing to DNC 76, verse 52. That by keeping the commandments, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. Now, being ordained and sealed unto this power is the first order of Melchizedek priesthood, the apostolic order. And there are two parts to every priesthood. And being ordained to the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, which does not exist within the LDS church today, is not sufficient to be able to perform the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. One also must have been sealed by Christ unto this order, just as Christ did to his 12 apostles. And in 3 Nephi 18, after ordaining them in 3 Nephi 11 to the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, Christ seals this order of the priesthood upon them, and then, as is outlined in D.C. 7652, they are able to perform the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 36 in 3 Nephi 18. And it came to pass that when Jesus had made an end of these sayings, he touched with his hand the disciples whom he had chosen one by one, even until he had touched them all, and spake unto them as he touched them. And the multitude heard not the words which he spake, therefore they did not bear record. But the disciples bear record that he gave them power to give the Holy Ghost. And I will show unto you hereafter that this record is true. And it came to pass that when Jesus had touched them all, there came a cloud and overshadowed the multitude that they could not see Jesus. And if we go to Moroni chapter 3, we get additional details which were left out of the 3rd Nephi 18 account. And in Moroni chapter 3, or rather, Moroni chapter 2, the words of Christ which he spake unto his disciples, the twelve, whom he had chosen as he laid his hands upon them. And he called them by name, saying, Ye shall call on the Father in my name, in mighty prayer. And after ye have done this, ye shall have power that to him upon whom ye shall lay your hands. Ye shall give the Holy Ghost, and in my name shall ye give it, for thus do mine apostles. Now Christ spake these words unto them at the time of his first appearing, and the multitude heard it not, but the disciples heard it, and on as many as they laid their hands fell the Holy Ghost. They had been ordained and sealed unto this power. And this is one of the quintessential uh, ordinances that Alma is talking about that is required to enter into the rest of the Lord. Back in Alma chapter 13. Now these ordinances, baptism by water, to the terrestrial order of the gospel, by the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood, the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then the ordinance of having one's calling and election made sure, which is to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory, and is talked about in DNC 76, 53, and 54. And who overcome by faith and are sealed by the Holy Spirit, a promise which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. They are they who are the church of the firstborn. This is the ordinance of having one's calling and election made sure, which one can only receive 
by entering into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. So again, verse 16 in Alma 13. Now these ordinances were given after this manner that thereby the people might look forward on the son of God, it being a type of his order or it being his order. And this, that they might look forward to him for remission of their sins, that they might enter into the rest of the Lord. And verse 21. And now it came to pass that when Alma had said these words unto them, he stretched forth his hand unto them and cried with a mighty voice, saying, Now is the time to repent, for the day of salvation draweth nigh. And verses 27 through 30. And now, my brethren, I wish from the inmost part of my heart, yea, with great anxiety unto pain, that you would hearken unto my words and cast off your sins and not procrastinate the day of your repentance. And what does this verse say about a true servant of God? I wish from the inmost part of my heart, yea, with great anxiety, even unto pain. Alma here is displaying what is talked about in DNC 103 about true servants of God. DNC 103, verse 9, for they were set to be a light unto the world and to be the saviors of men. Talking about those who are called to be end-time servants, but do not bear up the weight which is placed on their shoulders. And inasmuch as ye are not the saviors of men, they are a salt that is lost its savor, and thenceforth is good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. But what they should be doing, verse 7 in DNC 103, and by hearkening to observe all the words, which I, the Lord God, shall speak unto them. They shall never cease to prevail until the kingdoms of the world are subdued under my feet and the earth is given unto the saints to possess it forever and ever. And back in Alma chapter 13. Verse 27. And now my brethren, I wish from the inmost part of my heart, yea, with great anxiety, even unto pain, this is being a co-savior with Christ. That ye would hearken unto my words and cast off your sins and not procrastinate the day of your repentance, but that ye would humble yourselves before the Lord and call on his holy name and watch and pray continually that ye may not be tempted above that which ye can bear. The implication is that if you do not, you may be tempted above that which ye can bear. And thus be led by the Holy Spirit, becoming humble, meek, submissive, patient, full of love, and all long-suffering, having faith on the Lord, having hope that ye shall receive eternal life, having the love of God always in your hearts, that ye may be lifted up at the last day and enter into his rest. And may the Lord grant unto you repentance that ye may not bring down his wrath upon you, that ye may not be bound down by the chains of hell, that ye may not suffer the second death. And Alma spake many more words unto the people, which are not written in this book. 
Now, Alma 29, verses 1 and 2. Oh, that I were an angel and could have the wish of mine heart, that I might go forth and speak with the trump of God, with a voice to shake the earth and cry repentance unto every people. Yea, I would declare unto every soul, as with the voice of thunder, repentance, and the plan of redemption, that they should repent and come unto our God, that there might not be more sorrow upon all the face of the earth. And verse 9, And I know that which the Lord hath commanded me, and I glory in it. I do not glory of myself, but I glory in that which the Lord hath commanded me. Yea, and this is my glory, that perhaps I may be an instrument in the hands of God to bring some soul unto repentance, and this is my joy. Helaman 5, verses 10 and 12. And remember also the words which Amulek spake unto Zeezrom in the city of Ammonihah. For he said unto him that the Lord surely should come to redeem his people, but that he should not come to redeem them in their sins, but to redeem them from their sins. And he hath power given unto him from the Father to redeem them from their sins because of repentance. Therefore, he hath sent his angels to declare the tidings of the conditions of repentance, which bringeth unto the power of the Redeemer unto the salvation of their souls. And now, my sons, remember, remember, that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation, that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe, because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a secure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. And this sure foundation, this rock, is Christ and revelation and the doctrine of Christ. And verses 17 through 19. And it came to pass that they did preach with great power, insomuch that they did confound many of those dissenters who had gone over from the Nephites, insomuch that they came forth and did confess their sins and were baptized unto repentance and immediately returned to the Nephites to endeavor to repair unto them the wrongs which they had done. And so a key aspect of repentance is repairing the wrong which we have done to the best of our ability. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did preach unto the Lamanites with such great power and authority, for they had power given unto them that they might speak and also had what they should speak given unto them. This is to speak with the tongue of angels. This is to have the gift of prophecy and of revelation. And to speak by the power and authority of God, about which is said in Third Nephi chapter 7, about Nephi speaking by this power. Verse 18. And it came to pass that they were angry with him, even because he had greater power than they, for it were not possible that they could disbelieve his words. For so great was his faith on the Lord Jesus Christ that angels did minister unto him daily. So even those who were angry with Nephi because of the truth, 
it was not possible that they could disbelieve his words because of the power and authority with which he ministered and with which he spoke. I'm back in Helaman chapter 5, verse 17. And it came to pass that they did preach with great power, insomuch that they did confound many of those dissenters who had gone over from the Nephites, insomuch that they came forth and did confess their sins and were baptized unto repentance, and immediately returned unto the Nephites to endeavor to repair unto them the wrongs which they had done. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did preach unto the Lamanites with such great power and authority, for they had power and authority given unto them that they might speak, and also that they had what they should speak given unto them. Therefore, they did speak unto the great astonishment of the Lamanites, to the convincing them, insomuch that there were 8,000 of the Lamanites who were in the land of Zarahemla and round about baptized unto repentance. Again, notice this part of repentance, which is baptism. And were convinced of the wickedness of the traditions of their fathers. Now, 3 Nephi, chapter 11. Again, and it came to pass that he, Christ, spake unto Nephi, for Nephi was among the multitude. And he commanded him that he should come forth. And Nephi arose and went forth and bowed himself before the Lord and did kiss his feet. And the Lord commanded him that he should arise. And he arose and stood before him. And the Lord said unto him, I give unto you power that ye shall baptize this people when I am again ascended into heaven. So why was it necessary that Christ give Nephi power to baptize this people when he already had power to baptize this people? As is detailed in 3 Nephi 1 and 3 Nephi 7. Because in 3 Nephi 1 and 3 Nephi 7, Nephi was baptizing into the preparatory gospel with the Aaronic priesthood. Now that Christ has returned, he gives to Nephi the apostolic order of priesthood. And now Nephi has the authority to baptize with water into the terrestrial order of the gospel of the Church of Christ. Alma 26. Verses 13 through 22. Behold, how many thousands of our brethren has he loosed from the pains of hell? And they were brought to sing redeeming love. And this because of the power of his word, which is in us. Therefore, have we not great reason to rejoice? Yea, we have reason to praise him forever. For he is the most high God, and he has loosed our brethren from the chains of hell. Yea, they were encircled about with everlasting darkness and destruction. But behold, he has brought them into his everlasting light, yea, into everlasting salvation. And they were encircled about with the matchless bounty of his love. Yea, and we have been instruments in the hand, in his hands of doing this great and marvelous work. Therefore, let us glory. Yea, we will glory in the Lord. Yea, we will rejoice, for our joy is full. Yea, we will praise our God forever. Behold, who can glory too much in the Lord? And who can say too much of his great power and of his mercy and of his long suffering towards the children of men? Behold, I say unto you, I cannot say the smallest part of which I feel. 
Who could have supposed that our God would have been so merciful as to have snatched us from our awful, sinful, and polluted state? Behold, we went forth, even in wrath, with mighty threatenings to destroy his church. Oh, then why did he not consign us to the awful destruction? Yea, why did he not let the sword of his justice fall upon us and doom us to eternal despair? Oh, my soul, almost as it were, fleeth at the thought. Behold, he did not exercise his justice upon us, but in his great mercy, he hath brought us over that everlasting gulf of death and misery, even to the salvation of our souls. And now behold, my brethren, what natural man is there that knoweth these things? I say unto you, there is none that knoweth these things, save it be the penitent. Yea, he that repenteth and exercises faith and bringeth forth good works and prayeth continually without ceasing, Unto such it is given to know the mysteries of God. Yea, unto such it shall be given to reveal things which never have been revealed. Yea, it shall be given unto such to bring thousands of souls to repentance, even as it has been given unto us to bring those our brethren unto repentance. There is a lot in that verse. So, he that repenteth, and exercises faith, or seeks after, receives, and acts on revelation, and bringeth forth good works, and prayeth continually without ceasing. Unto such it is given to know the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God being the doctrine and covenants and ordinances of that which pertains to the celestial order, Church of the Firstborn. The mysteries of God are required to be received, to be instructed about how to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. And to those who submit themselves to this level, to the will of the Lord, the promise is, and it shall be given unto such to bring thousands of souls to repentance And if these blessings were ever needed by those who sought to be servants of God, they have never been needed more than they are needed now. And those who would be servants of God, the path is clear. Repentance, exercising faith, bringing forth good works, praying continually without ceasing. Second Nephi 31. Verse 17. Wherefore, do the things which I have told you, that I have seen that your Lord and your Redeemer should do. For for this cause have they been shown unto me, that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter. For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water. And then cometh the remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. Repentance, baptism by water into the terrestrial order. Baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Helaman chapter 14, verses 8 through 13. And it came to pass that whosoever shall believe on the Son of God, the same shall have everlasting life. And behold, thus hath the Lord commanded me by his angel that I should come 
and tell these things unto you. Yea, he hath commanded that I should prophesy these things unto you. Yea, he hath said unto me, cry unto this people, repent and prepare the way of the Lord. And now because I am a Lamanite, and these are the words of Samuel the Lamanite, and have spoken unto you the words which the Lord hath commanded me, and because it was hard against you, ye are angry with me and seek to destroy me, and have cast me out from among you. And ye shall hear my words, for for this intent have I come up upon the walls of the city, that ye might hear and know the judgments of God which do await you, because of your iniquities, and also that ye might know the conditions of repentance. And also that ye might know of the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven and of earth, the creator of all things from the beginning, and that ye might know the signs of his coming, to the intent that ye might believe on his name. And if ye believe on his name, ye will repent of all your sins, that thereby ye may receive a remission of them through his merits. Alma chapter 17. Verses 15 and 16. Thus, they were a very indolent people, many of whom did worship idols and curse God, and had fallen upon them, and the curse of God had fallen upon them because of the traditions of their fathers, notwithstanding the promises of the Lord were extended unto them on conditions of repentance. Therefore, this was the cause for which the sons of Mosiah had undertaken the work, that perhaps they might bring them unto repentance, that perhaps they might bring them to know of the plan of redemption. Helaman 15. Verse 7. And behold, ye do know of yourselves, for ye have witnessed it, that as many of them as are brought to the knowledge of the truth, and to know of the wicked and abominable traditions of their fathers, and are led to believe the holy scriptures, yea, the prophecies of the holy prophets, which are written, which leadeth them to faith on the Lord and unto repentance, which faith and repentance bringeth a change of heart unto them. And part of this change of heart comes when our faith and repentance leads us to baptism into the terrestrial order of the gospel of water, of fire, and of the Holy Ghost. DNC section 1. Verses 31 and 30 through 33. For I, the Lord, cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance. Nevertheless, he that repents and does the commandments of the Lord shall be forgiven. And he that repents not, from him shall be taken even the light which, has, which he has received. For my spirit shall not always strive with man, saith the Lord of hosts. And thus we often see many who have received great light having lost that light as the Spirit shows them things and instructs them to do things and they, they ignore the voice of the Spirit. Even up to the 15, as we see those 
who once had great light lose the light and become dark as pitch because they ignore the voice of the Spirit. And by ignoring the voice of the Spirit, they also stop repenting. And they have that light which they had once received taken from them. Enos, chapter 1. Verses 2 through 8. And I will tell you of the wrestle which I had before God before I received a remission of my sins. Again, we have the illustration of guilt, which brings us unto repentance, and that a mighty struggle is involved as we come unto that godly remorse, which allows us to access the atonement through repentance. I will tell you of the wrestle which I had before God before I received a remission of my sins. Behold, I went to hunt beasts in the forest, and the words which I had often heard my father speak concerning the eternal life, and the joy of the saints sunk deep into my heart, and my soul hungered, and I kneeled down before my maker, and I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for mine own soul, and all the day long did I cry unto him. Yea, and when the night came, I did still raise my voice high, that it reached the heavens. And there came a voice unto me, saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee, and thou shalt be blessed. And just so you know, this is Enos coming unto a broken heart and contrite spirit and receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I, Enos, knew that God could not lie, wherefore my guilt was swept away. And I said, Lord, how is it done? And he said unto me, because of thy faith in Christ, whom thou hast never before heard nor seen. And many years pass away before he shall manifest himself in the flesh. Wherefore go to thy faith hath made thee whole. And DNC section five. And, uh, and we should also notice that as soon as Enos had his baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, his whole concern and desire was then for his people and then for his enemies, which are signs that are evident in those who have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. After Lehi receives the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, he goes forth and preaches to the people in the city of Jerusalem, cries repentance and the doctrine of Christ to them, for which they want to kill him. DNC 5, 19 and 20. For a desolating scourge, and again talking about our generation, for a desolating scourge shall go forth among the inhabitants of the earth and shall continue to be poured out from time to time. If they repent not until the earth is empty. Now this desolating scourge we have not yet seen, but it is coming. And those who receive the vaccine are going to be subject to it. If they repent not until the earth is empty and the inhabitants thereof are consumed away and utterly destroyed by the brightness 
of my coming. Behold, I tell you these things, even as I also told the people of the destruction of Jerusalem, and my word shall be verified at this time, as it hath hitherto been verified. And now I command you, my servant Joseph, to repent and walk more uprightly. A true servant of God is not afraid that it be known that God has commanded them to repent. God commands those who he love, loves to repent. And everyone that has lived on this earth has needed to be called to repentance except for Jesus Christ in his mortal ministry. So I would again assign this as a mark of a true servant versus false ones who would tell you that you are to obey their commandments even if they are in error. DNC 58, verses 42 and 43. Behold, he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven. And I, the Lord, remember them no more. So, uh, hearkening back to Alma's son, and the admonition that he gave his son to repent of his sins. Um, notice that he wasn't disqualified from the ministry. Because when he fully repented, the Lord would remember his sins no more. And this stands as a sharp contrast to policies you know, of, uh, of the church that many of us belong to. By this ye may know, if a man repenteth of his sins, behold, he will confess them and forsake them. So again, the need for confession and forsaking. Moses 6, verse 50. But God hath made known unto our fathers that all men must repent. And he called upon our father Adam by his own voice, saying, I am God. I made the world and men before they were in the flesh. And he also has said unto him, If thou wilt turn unto me and hearken unto my voice, and believe and repent of all thy transgressions, and be baptized, so believe in me, repent of thy transgressions, and be baptized by the authority of Melchizedek priesthood, may I add, even in water in the name of mine only begotten son, who is full of grace and truth, which is Jesus Christ, the only name which shall be given under heaven, whereby salvation shall come unto the children of men. And throughout the book of Mormon, you know, look at Mosiah chapter five. Now look at Mosiah 52. Those who criticize the use of the name Jesus Christ and instead advocate that we should call him by other names, I would submit that 
the, the name and the title Jesus Christ is precisely the term that we should use for him. Which is Jesus Christ, the only name which shall be given under heaven, whereby salvation shall come unto the children of men. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If we do what? Those who turn unto Father. And this again is an explanation of what a broken heart and contrite spirit is. Those who turn unto the Father, hearken unto my voice, believe and repent of all thy transgressions, and are baptized with water into the trustful order of the gospel, shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, asking all things in his name, and whatsoever ye shall ask, it shall be given you. And our father Adam spake to the Lord. And so again, the doctrine of Christ, because the book of Moses is the beginning of Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible. And the book of Moses is how detailed the full translation of the Bible is. And also one of the evidences that Joseph just barely cracked the surface. He only just got started in his translation of the Bible, but he will be bringing the full translation with him when he returns on the scene. And he's working on it right now. And our father Adam spake unto the Lord and said, why is it that men must repent and be baptized in water? And the Lord said unto Adam, behold, I have forgiven thee thy transgression in the garden of Eden. And hence came the saying abroad among the people that the son of God hath atoned for original guilt. Now, I also need to add that most of the story of the garden and of the fall um, is, is highly metaphorical and sets up universal archetypes of our relationship with light and dark, with God and the adversary with receiving revelation. And we have these universal archetypes being set up between columns of actual events. And that the actual event of the fall is simply the process which one must go through to change one's terrestrial body into a telestial body that is what it means to partake of the fruit. And, you know, so that is the pillar. And then everything that becomes in between that pillar uh, is not historical, but it applies to us and is supposed to be a lesson and role model for us in what we are to do. Hence came the saying abroad among the people, the son of God hath atoned for original guilt wherein the sins of the parents cannot be answered upon the heads of the children, for they are whole from the foundation of the world. And the Lord spake unto Adam, saying, Inasmuch as thy children are conceived in sin, even so when they begin to grow up, sin conceiveth in their hearts, that they taste the bitter that they may know to prize the good. Or in other words, every man, every woman born into this life, except for Jesus Christ, has character flaws which we have not yet overcome. And 
It's because of these character flaws that are innate in us. That is what it means that we are conceived in sin. And it is given unto them to know good from evil. Or the light of Christ is given to all men born into the earth sufficient that they know good from evil. And it is an exact measure to the heat and diligence that we pay to that portion of light and knowledge that we're given, which is the light of Christ, that determines whether or not the light increases in us and we receive more and more, or it is taken away. Wherefore, they are agents unto themselves, and I have given unto you another law and commandment. So all men and women start out as agents unto themselves, although through poor choices, through disregarding the voice of the Spirit and the light of Christ, we can turn ourselves into objects to be acted upon. And if we find ourselves in this state as objects to be acted upon, it's through repentance and exercising faith in Jesus Christ that we can be born again and become new creatures to act and not to be acted upon. Wherefore, teach it unto your children that all men everywhere must repent or they can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. For no unclean thing can dwell there or dwell in his presence. For in the language of Adam, man of holiness is his name, and the name of his only begotten is the Son of Man, even Jesus Christ, a righteous judge who shall come in the meridian of time. Therefore I give unto you a commandment to teach these things freely unto your children, saying that by reason of the transgression cometh the fall, which fall bringeth death. And inasmuch as you were born into the world by water, and blood, and the spirit which I have made, and so became of dust a living soul. So, what it means to be created of the dust of the earth, as explained here, is simply childbirth. That by reason of the transgression, well, this transgression is not a sin. This transgression is simply that process that one enters into, and Satan has nothing to do with it. But Satan having something to do with it is part of the universal archetype, but it's not part of the historical pillar. This transgression is the process of changing one's glorified terrestrial body into a coat of skins or telestial body. And this process of childbirth is a metaphor for being born again, receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Even so, you must be born again into the kingdom of heaven, of water, baptism by water, by the Melchizedek priesthood, into the terrestrial order of the gospel, and of his spirit, the baptism of fire and be cleansed by blood, even the blood of mine only begotten, that ye might be sanctified from all sin, and enjoy the words of eternal life in this world, and eternal life in the world to come, even immortal glory, baptism of the Holy Ghost. For by the water ye keep the commandment, by the Spirit ye are justified, and by the blood ye are sanctified. Or, 
Baptism of water. Keep the commandment. Baptism of fire. By the spirit, you're justified. Baptism of the Holy Ghost. By the blood, you're sanctified. Therefore, it is given to abide in you the record of heaven, the comforter, the peaceable things of immortal glory. This is the state of a man or woman after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. The truth of all things, that which quickeneth all things, which maketh alive all things, that which knoweth all things and hath all power, according to wisdom, mercy, truth, justice, and judgment, and is designed to bring you into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory, that you might receive the ordinance of your calling election being made sure. And now behold, I say unto you, this is the plan of salvation unto all men, through the blood of mine only begotten, who shall come in the meridian of time. Behold, all things have their likeness, and all things are created and made to bear record of me, both things which are temporal and things which are spiritual, things which are in the heavens above and things which are on the earth, and things which are in the earth and things which are under the earth, both above and beneath all things bear record of me. And it came to pass that when the Lord had spoken with Adam, our father, that Adam cried unto the Lord, and he was caught away by the spirit of the Lord, and he was carried down into the water and was laid under the water and was brought forth out of the water. And thus he was baptized, and the spirit of God descended upon him, and thus he was born of the spirit or that man who officiated in the office of Holy Ghost at the time came down and performed the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of Holy Ghost for Adam, just as we read in 2 Nephi 31. And let's quickly turn there. Verse 8, Wherefore, after he was baptized with water, the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. Or in other words, the man who officiated the office of the Holy Ghost came down and performed the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, just as he did for his father Adam. And verse 64 again in Moses 6. And it came to pass that when the Lord had spoken with Adam, our father Adam cried unto the Lord and was caught away by the Spirit of the Lord and was carried down into the water and was laid under the water and was brought forth out of the water. And thus he was baptized, and the Spirit of God descended upon him. And thus he was born of the Spirit and became quickened in the inner man. And he heard a voice out of heaven saying, Thou art baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. This is the record of the Father and the Son from thenceforth and forever. And thou art after the order of him who was without beginning of days or end of years, from all eternity to all eternity. Behold, thou art one in me, a son of God, and thus may all become my sons. Amen. And to this testimony, I add mine. That Jesus Christ is the only name under heaven where might we may be forgiven of our sins whereby we might become sanctified, whereby we might receive revelation from God, 
whereby we might be brought into his presence in his glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.